0: Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers and visitors. So grateful uh, to have you, to be here, to be able to be speaking to you. As of my recording right now, I don't know how bad this snowstorm was, so I might be saying hi to our whole church, or I might be saying hi to just a few of us. I'm not sure. Um, but whether there's a million people here or 20, 10, 5 people here, uh, grateful to have this space grateful to take care of this space and um, if I haven't met you yet my name is Pedro Reese, and I'm the lead pastor here and I just like I do every week if you've been here for the first time or been checking us out below there's a notes section on this page and one of the links is I'm new because we want to reach out we want to be able to uh, get to know you and so connect with us that's the way the only way we have to connect with you and so uh, I encourage you do that. Let's go get a bite to eat. Let's go get a cup of coffee together. Our sermon series right now is about meeting people at the table, meeting God at the table, meeting other people at the table. And so let's go to the table together. Why not? Um, and so, yeah, we're grateful for this space. And uh, today, today's sermon has just been going on as a, like, very long. And so we just got to jump right on in so that you guys don't get too mad at me. Um, but let's start off with this scenario, right? Uh, today, we're going to, today isn't about like grand theology, but it's about like trying to really capture this moment and what, like what Jesus was doing and how crazy it was. Uh, and so let's paint a picture right now. Let's set a scene. And this scene is a very normal Jersey city and urban experience. But picture this, you're in your car, whether you have one or not, you're in a car and you're driving to go do something you're looking forward to, like, right, you're going to hang out with friends. You're going to someone's house. You're going to a restaurant. Or uh, you're going to church, because we love this church. You're going to church, right? And so you're going there. And then all of a sudden, the light turns red. And all of a sudden, you see a couple of cars in front of you. Someone is making their way towards you. And you, rec- you realize that it's a, a homeless man or a homeless woman. And uh, I just like, want us to picture like, freeze that moment right there. And what is your playbook? Right? What do you do? I'm, and I'm speaking to each and every single one of us. Don't think about other people. What do you do in this moment? Are you someone who like intentionally carries water or snacks, and intentionally carries a couple dollars on them so that they can give it away whenever they're asked, or are you like the type of person where like your playbook is to panic and avoid the situation as much as you can, like? if you were walking you would cross the street or like if you're in your car do you like all of a sudden oh remember a text that you have to reply to or oh an email oh do i have emails or like oh let me call someone really quick or you just like pretend to be looking out over there or like well do you have are you one of these people who have this blanket statement like i'm never gonna give money i don't give money away because i can't trust where it's going it's like are you one of those people but uh My goal for this morning is not for this, uh, like opening illustration, the opening scene is like not to bum us out, though some will be really bummed, but like, I want to ask us, like, do we do everything in our power in that moment to avoid looking at this soul? Right? Some of us are just like, so like we, we cannot connect with this person because if we do, it will crush our hearts. Like if I really look at this person, their struggle is going to become really real. And if I look at them, then like, oh, like I like can't fix all of their problems and I can't do something about it. So like, let me just avoid this person. I don't even want to make eye contact. Like I'm just going to look away because it's just like so like, it brings up our shame and our guilt. Like we don't know what to do. And so like, it's easier to just do nothing about it. Do we ever like, Think in the moment to even if we have nothing to connect with that person. So like really look them in the eye. And so like I said, my my goal for starting us off today is not to like already just bum us down and just to like to deflate us. Though if you like if that like is difficult for you, pray about it. But my goal today, right, what I am setting off to speak about today is that we have a God. The whole point of this morning is that we have a God. We have a Savior who intentionally seeks out to really see us. We have a God who sees us better than anyone. We have a God that is so full of love for you and for me and for all of us that he came down. And one of the things that he did in Luke was he saw us. He really looked at us. We are in our Open open Table series, like I have already said. And in this series, we're looking at the times in the Gospel of Luke, Luke, the Gospel that spoke more about Jesus reaching all of the wrong people, all of the disenfranchised people, right? Jesus came down here to love those exact people and bring them into his house and into his table and into his kingdom, and he came for all of the wrong people, which is aka all of us, um, all the people who knew that they were desperate for him. And that he brought them to the kingdom one meal at a time. One meal at a time. These ten meals in the book of Luke come to paint this picture of what the kingdom really stood for. And every time, one of the things that we're talking about, every time we come to the table, every time we meet Jesus at the table, every time we go to a table and we encounter Jesus there, an aspect of our sin comes up, right? And an aspect of our sin confronts us. And today we're talking about how like, often we cannot see God and what he's really doing. Often we cannot even really see ourselves. And like, we can't look in the mirror or we avoid ourselves or we make ourselves too busy. And then that, always, like, that inevitably leads us to not really being able to see one another. But we have a God. We have a Savior. We have someone who pronounces forgiveness of our sins he can really see us we have this god who loves us to our core and sees us for every single one of our flaws and that he like sees us not when we're okay down the road right not when we're more mature and and like more developed or when we are like get get rid of some more of our sins he sees us at our worst and he loves us through it all and so today we're preaching about this love. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7. But before we read God's word, let me pray. Let me pray, invite the Holy Spirit into our service, into the reading of his word, and then for all of us to listen to his word and then do something with his word to allow it to like change us a bit. And so let me pray for us. Lord, I, uh, uh, Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you first thing today. I just want to invite you into the preaching of your word and the hearing and then the doing of your word. You met these people that we're going to talk about today. You met them at the table. And one knew how desperately she needed you and the other one thought he was pretty good. Lord, teach us, teach our hearts today to know how deeply you have forgiven us. Help us to go to you and repent. And say, like Jesus, I need your forgiveness and your peace that you offer. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for uh, what you're doing. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so let's read God's word. Like I said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. God's word says this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, the other fifty. who even forgives sins and he said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace today we're here to talk about jesus's loving gaze so now to jump into the sermon first we need to catch up with where we are in luke right because the story continues and jesus is doing amazing thing one right after the other last week we are in luke chapter five and then this week we're in seven so we haven't skipped that much further along but in the meantime, Jesus has been a very, very busy man. He's been going. He's been doing his ministry. He's been upsetting people with what he's saying, with his healings. He's finished calling the 12 disciples. By the way, if anyone can like really quickly say who the 12 were below, I will treat you to lunch. Um, He's taught to multitudes of people. He's given the Sermon on the Mount. And then chapter 7 starts, and it's like such a Lukean chapter, right? It's such the heart of Luke, where Jesus is just going after all the wrong people, and Luke wants to make it evident. Like, he wants everyone to know what Jesus is up to. And Luke chapter 7 starts with Jesus healing a Roman centurion servant. Like, here in my notes, I have, like, Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. Like, what? Like, Jesus, okay, like. At least if the person is a Jewish sinner, right? At least they're one of us, technically, right? But, like, you're actually, like, you're doing this for a Roman soldier? Like, in Israel, gosh, like, a Roman soldier, man, was hated, hated, hated. But he served them, too. And then he goes and he raises from the dead a widow's son. And we're like, like, oh, like. Okay, like Jesus is taking it up a notch here. He's like really doing crazy things. Like he cares even about the widow, even the widow who could do nothing for him, advance his cause and couldn't in any way. He's like, ah, like he does it for this widow who had nothing. And then such an important story comes. John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And it's like such a beautiful exchange happening. And John is like, go see, go ask him if he's the Messiah. And Jesus answers them in chapter seven, verse 22. And he says, Jesus saying, go and tell, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He's like, look around. What do you see? Like, look around. What am I doing? Like look around and see that everything that the Old Testament said would happen is happening. Like look around and see all the people who are, who have nothing, who are missing this giant part of themselves. And look at what I'm doing. I'm healing the blind. The blind can see around me. The lame can walk around me. The deaf can hear like the lepers have baby skin. The dead are coming back to life around me. Like look at what I'm doing. I'm pursuing all of these wrong people, and I'm bringing God's power everywhere that I go. It's like, look at what you see. And this exchange ends with Jesus in verses 34 and 30 to 35 and 36, I think. It says this, no, 35. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. It's like, look, I'm pursuing all of the wrong people, but I'm doing everything the Messiah is supposed to do, but you keep on calling me, all of you guys keep on calling me a drunkard and a glutton because I hang out with all the wrong people. I'm like bringing into the kingdom all the wrong people and are like, are you okay with that? And immediately from this, he launches into the story. Literally the next words that we hear in God's word is the story between Jesus, Simon and an unnamed, uninvited woman. Verses 36 to 39 set the scene, right? Let's set the scene before we go forward. Jesus, because he is who he is, is invited by a Pharisee, right? Later on, we meet, we learn that his name is Simon. Simon invites him into his house, and because Jesus is here for all of us, he says yes, right? Jesus here in Luke is like after all of the like disenfranchised, disheartened, like all of those who are cast aside, and then a Pharisee comes and says yes, because even the Pharisees, like Pharisees, even though they were the right ones, they're the right wrong ones. And he knows how broken they are. We know the story, right? We know that by and large, the Pharisees don't come to accept Jesus, and they actually like kill him, and some find him, all right? Some change their lives, some get it, but overwhelmingly, like they become his enemy, but Jesus makes time even for his enemies. Simon invites him, and he says, like, yeah, I'm there. And he goes and reclines at the table. He reclines at the table just like he did with the tax collectors, right? Because Jesus is here for all of us, whether we, like, know how much we need him or whether we, like, don't know even how much we need him. And so Simon invites him, and Jesus says yes, because he's here for that. He's here to meet people at the table. And all of a sudden, the third character in our story comes in, and it's this unnamed and uninvited woman. She comes into the room and she stands behind Jesus and she does a couple of things. First off, she just starts weeping. This unnamed, uninvited woman sees Jesus and begins to uncontrollably weep. Like just imagine times where you've been in a room and all you want to do is cry. All you want to do is break down, but you hold it together because you know you like have to. And this woman is so distraught. She can't hold it in. She's near Jesus and she's breaking down. And then she begins to wet Jesus' feet with her tears. Like She is crying so much that she is giving Jesus her tears. She's just like wetting his feet and because she's not okay that he's dirty and her tears are wetting his feet so much and they're getting so wet that she takes her hair and she starts drying like patting and cleaning his feet. Right, 1 Corinthians 11 says that a woman's hair is her glory, which is like a uh, a metaphor for talking about oh like a woman's beauty and her glory and she's like I don't care. You know what? I know I'm a sinner. Nobody in that room knew how much of a sinner she was though. Simon thought he knew her. She knew herself best and she's like I don't care about my glory like Jesus's feet needs to be cleaned and she takes her hair and it's just wiping off all the dirt and all the grime, all the gross. Thing. Remember, Jesus was wearing sandals and walking through dirt roads, no pavement at all. And she's like, I don't care. Like, I need Jesus' feet to be cleaned. And she kisses his feet. Right later on in the story, Jesus says, By the, like, Since the time I came in here, she has not stopped kissing my feet. And then she comes in with her alabaster jar of ointment and she breaks it over Jesus' feet and anoints his feet with this oil, right? And she, like, in this scene, she's giving Jesus everything that she has, right? We have this Simon guy here who invites Jesus and is a horrible host, but we'll talk about that soon. And this, like, this unnamed, uninvited woman is just pouring herself over Jesus, like, serving him in all of these beautiful ways, giving him her last bit of dignity her last bit of like her womanhood like her finances she's giving jesus everything that she has every resource that she has she's giving to jesus right her tears and her hair and that alabaster jar which would have like functioned as like her retirement plan those are so valuable that people bought them to save them for the, some rainy day in the future and she's like i don't care like I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I'm pouring it over your feet. Like, I need Jesus to be clean. And then the most interesting thing happens in verse 39 something that is rare in the New Testament. It's like not a very commonly used literary literary device in the New Testament. In verse 39, it says that, like, Simon sees this and he says to himself, very intentionally, it says in verse 39, he says to himself, and he has this inner dialogue about like, oh, Jesus was who? If he was a prophet, right? If he was really this great man, he would know how dirty she is, and he would never let her touch him, because she would make him dirty, but like, Jesus knows this. He knows that Simon is saying this to himself, And that brings us to our second point today. We've set the scene, and now our second point for today is that there are no games needed. We need to recognize here, no games needed, that like Jesus, that this inner inner dialogue starts to happen. Right? It's very peculiar. It doesn't happen in the New Testament very often. So when it does, like we need to see it. Like he starts to say this to himself. But if we remember all the way back from Luke chapter two, when Jesus is being dedicated, Simeon says over Jesus and over the family, he's like, he says this in Luke two verses thirty-five. It says that one of the things Jesus will do was that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I don't know if this is in Jesus being Jesus, Jesus being the Holy Spirit, or Jesus just being a really smart and a discerning man. He knows what is happening in the heart of this man, and guess what? Jesus is not interested in playing games. He's here at the table, but he's not here to waste time. He's not here to play games, and he knows what's happening, and it's contrasted here with what he says in verse 40. He says, and Jesus answering said to him, right? Answering what? He's been thinking about this in his head. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And let's just like, let's just park the bus right there really quick. Like so, so many of us are worried all the time of like, we're just like playing church. We're just wasting time. We're like, we're just playing these games. We're playing religion. We're faking all of these things. And let me just say that when Jesus is at the table, he's not interested in playing games. He knew what was going on in the heart, in the mind, and in the heart of Simon. And he's like, you know what, Simon, I have something to say to you. If you're not like, brave enough to tell it to me, to my face, like let me just show to you that I know. And so, church, let's, say, like, let's stay right there for a moment. Jesus knows. We don't have to play games because Jesus knows. We don't have to play church. We're not playing religion here. Jesus knows what we bring to the table, right? For everything that you try to hide, he knows. He knows. For everything that, like, you just cannot admit to yourself, don't waste time because he knows. Everything that uh, you we make ourselves too busy to really deal with, right, so that we don't have to, like, actually just sit in our thoughts, like, he knows. Don't play games, he knows. Everything that you've done in the past that like, you're still really shamed over, he knows. Like, he knows them already. The things that we're addicted to, he still knows. He knows this. But because he said yes to Simon, he'll show up when we invite him. Like he'll show up when we ask him to meet us at the table jesus isn't interested in playing games with us he'll address them he'll be straightforward right he knows let's not play games let's not waste years of our lives pretending when we actually know it's in the room he knows and he's like you know what simon like i don't want to play games with you let me tell you a story i know exactly what's going on in your heart right now let me tell you a parable and in this parable, there's a money lender and he owes, and two people owe money to him. One person owes him 500 denarii, right? One denarii was about equivalent to a laborer's day of work. He's like, 500 days worth of work, that's a lot of money. And then someone else, the second person, owes him 50 denarii, right? Significantly less, but a good amount of money. Like he, 50 days worth of work. And it says here that when they couldn't pay this money lender canceled the debt of both and he's just like forgave the debt. And then he asked them this question. Now, which one of them will love him more? Which one of them will appreciate him more? Right? Love is a hard word to capture in the Aramaic. So it's like, which one will have more gratitude and Simon because life is like not it's usually not do we know the right answer is will we, we do the right thing he answers it correctly like even Simon the Pharisee he like knows the answer but he is so blind he can't see how that story has everything to do with what was happening in his heart in this moment he answers it perfectly he answers the question like Simon even the right wrong one he answers the question but he can't see that it's like happening right in front of him because Simon is like you know what like I'm a Pharisee, like I'm pretty good, like Jesus. I like I need I need God, obviously. He needs God, right? But I like I'm pretty good, like just help me. I'm just a little rough around the edges, Jesus. Like just trim a little bit here, trim a little bit there. But you know, I got most of this, like yeah, like oh yeah, like I know, like I sin from time to time. But I'm a Pharisee, right? I don't need very much, like Jesus. Just like take me over the top, right? I just need a little bit more. But this woman is like, oh, like this unnamed, uninvited woman knows how much she needs Jesus. She knows how desperate she is for Jesus. And she's just pouring everything out to her. And Simon can't see this because he thinks he's mostly okay. It's like, yeah, like, I'm pretty good. I'm working on myself, right? I have a plan. I know where I want to be in 10, five to 10 years, right? I know what I need to work on. And this woman is like, you know, like, oh, like, Jesus. I need to give you everything because I know the size of my debt I know how much my salvation costs and then we get to like the beauty the real beauty the hope the gospel promise in this story when we talk about when Jesus is at the table we finally are seen and after this story Jesus responds, and only the way that Jesus perfectly responds every single time. Like, I honestly think from four, verse 44 to 50 is like some of the most beautiful in the Gospels. It's like this instance of like pure heaven on earth. Like, well, let's hear this. Verse 44, it says, Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Like, just like right there. This is the scene, right? Jesus is invited and he says yes, because he's there for the Pharisees too. And he goes in and then this woman comes in uninvited, unnamed. We don't know who she is. She's not even named in the story. Like we don't need to, like what we need to know is that she got it. And she's like pouring herself out to Jesus, washing his feet and crying and kissing him Demonstrating her love for him, how much she gets, who he is, like just giving him everything that she has left because she's a sinner and everyone knows it. And then Jesus does this beautiful. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, right? Turning to the woman, he says to Simon, Jesus, so captivated by her, cannot avert his eyes from her, like so blown away by what he is seeing. He cannot take his eyes off of her. So blown away, so full of love, so like raptured by what she's doing. He's addressing Simon, but he keeps his eyes on his daughter. I can just imagine that. And he starts to speak to Simon, but he does not peel his eyes off of her. He's just looking at her, gazing at her, like marveling at her, so full of love and compassion for her. He's like looking at her and says, Simon, do you see her? Do you get what's happening here? From the moment I came in here, She has done for me everything that you as my host was supposed to be doing. Like there are certain hospitality rituals that Simon intentionally didn't do, but that's like not the focus. Like the focus is Jesus keeping his eye on her. He says like, do you see her since I entered your house? You were supposed to give me water for my feet. You didn't, you like disrespected me. You dishonored me, you let me sit at your table dirty to teach me a lesson or to show me up or to do something. But this woman has come and washed my feet. She's done what you did not do for me. She's done it with her tears. Like, oh, Jesus, so moved by her, does not take his eyes off of her. Says, so "You didn't give me a kiss. You're supposed to kiss me when I came in here. And from the moment I've come in here, she has not stopped kissing me." Ugh, like beautiful. So you were supposed to anoint my head with oil, but you haven't, but she brought her own oil, so I don't even need yours. She gave me her flask, like her valuable, precious retirement. She's like giving it all up for me. So you don't even get it. Like I can't even take my eyes off of her to talk to you, Simon, because I was like, ugh. And he says these things. He says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. He's like, Jesus, the God of the universe, the God of justice, the God who will never, like, let justice go. He's like, I know how much she has done. And guess what? There are many, many sins here. But she's forgiven because of her love. And then he says to him, like, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Like, if you think that you're mostly okay. If you, like, for us, if you've been a Christian for, like, decades, and you like, you're like you like, well, I can't even think about the sins that I do now. It's like, okay, like, pause. If you don't really need Jesus' forgiveness, then... T- You're not going to love very much. If you think you're mostly okay, if you can mostly do it yourself, then you're not going to love very much. You're going to not have that passion that we hear about, that we read about, that we see in this woman. And then he says, sir, your sins are forgiven. And it astonishes people there. And he finishes off by saying, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He's like, no, you didn't earn this. Just because you did these things, you didn't earn it. But your heart, like everything that you did is pouring out of your heart. And so, yeah, like I see your faith and go in peace. And we can contrast that, like, right? The contrast between her and Simon is over. And we have this contrast between the woman, the unnamed, uninvited woman who came in and the woman who leaves. right? The lady who came in so distraught leaves with her sins forgiven and with peace, at peace, two things that only Jesus offers. And so let's like, let's conclude this. We're running out of time, but let's conclude this really quick.
1: One of the things that
0: uh, I have seen happen in my relationship with Anne, in my marriage with Anne, at times we've had these arguments that uh, lasted a while, right? Months sometimes. It's not that we argued every day or fought every day, but we had like this ongoing discussion for months and like she would talk to me and tell me and pour herself out to me. And like for a long time, I, I would hear what she was saying and I thought I was capturing everything. Like when she brought it back up, I was like, and again with this, like I heard you, I heard you. And every time I really meant it, I really thought that I had heard her. like I really thought that I could see what she was saying. And for some reason, I don't even know what the perfect mixture there, like, God was definitely in it, but there was some mixture of, like, my brokenness and the Holy Spirit helping me, but, like, then one day would come, and it would feel like, like, honestly, it would feel like my eyes were opened, and I was like, oh, like, man, I can actually see you now. I actually hear what you're saying to me. And I was like, this is, like, kind of the sentiment I feel in this story is, like, Like, often in life, we can't see right. We can't see one another. We can't see God. Like, we feel like we're lost and in this haze. But, like, I'm here to say to us all today that Jesus is the one who sees us perfectly. Jesus is the one who can really perfectly see us, look at us, and, like, just capture everything about us like he did with this unnamed, uninvited woman. It's so, not like I'm here to say today that like Jesus isn't interested in playing games. Let's not waste time. He knows, and so let's not waste time, because if we're like we're just delaying Him being able to actually show us that He sees us. Right? He sees us all the time, but it's like that connection, that moment of connection and clarity and breakthrough. You know why? Because Jesus loves you and he sees you even at your brokenness. He doesn't need you to be perfect for him to see you. He sees you perfectly through the mess and through the darkness and he loves you and he sees you more clearly than anyone else can. He sees you more clearly than all of your haters. I had a professor in seminary. He said, if you don't like me, lack discernment because God is perfect in discernment and he loves me. Like he sees you more than every label that you've ever been given or spoken over yourself like jesus's love is so much greater than any of that stuff jesus loves you past every label society has given you jesus as we talked about with john the baptist he's like not even afraid to look scandalous in his pursuit of you he's already been called a glutton and a drunkard like he's okay with a bit of rejection right like he's already been killed and resurrected, right? So he does not care in his pursuit of you how other people perceive his love for you. He loves you. He'll look scandalous for you. And so let me to briefly stop like two things. Let me speak to you if you're a Christian. Like, I wanna speak to you if you're here and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, let me just like reiterate to you how much you were forgiven at the cross. Like the depth of your forgiveness is deeper than you could ever imagine. If you like, if the problem that you feel is like a lack of love, then let's spend the season thinking about like how like actually he had needed to forgive you infinitely for you to have access to him. Let's not forget who we were and how dead we were and how lost we were, every single one of us before we met Christ. Let's love him a lot because he has loved us tremendously. And then if you're listening to this and you don't, you're not a Christian, you don't follow Jesus, but you're exploring, you're you're trying to figure it out, then like... Let me say to you, I want to match Jesus' love and compassion that he demonstrated for this unnamed, uninvited woman. Let me just say to you that no one in this world will see you more clearly than Christ. Search high and low in any other religion. Search any other avenue you think expresses truth like no one will see you like Christ. No one will see you for every bit of mess that you are and love you as perfectly as he does. Like no one, no one in this world offers forgiveness and peace. That's only found in Jesus. And so we're here to lift up the name of Jesus because I mean like there's no better place for you to be than at the table with him. And so today we look at this table in Luke chapter 7 and we're just in awe, I'm in awe of this exchange that God had with a sinful woman who Jesus saw so perfectly as one of his co-heirs, as someone who's sitting on the throne with him now in the heavenlies. And so I want to end today by praying, by praying for all of us. um, And if you agree with this prayer, uh, respond by... Even saying it out loud, like, I agree, like, I want this. Um, and if, if I don't know you, if we don't know each other, or if you just want to reach out, like, email me at pereese at com, so we can start this conversation. Um, this is better done in person, right? This is easier done in person, but this is what we have right now, and we'll respond. And so email me so we can talk, so we can also go to the table. And so pray with me. Lord, um, I just I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you that you said yes to all of these tables and uh, and you met us there, all of us. You, you meet us at these tables. And I just pray for an experience like this woman, this uninvited, unnamed woman, and uh, ask for you to meet us at the tables so that you can see us and we can see you and get to know you. Um, Lord, my dad was huge. And you paid it, and so, like, I want to love you. I want my love to match this woman's love. I want to find your forgiveness, and I want to find your peace. So I pray this over our church, Lord, and uh, and we love you, and we serve you, and I pray all these things in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, and so uh, I'll see you in our MC calls this week. I'll see you next week, and uh, reach out to me. Again, pereese at citylifenj.com. Let's uh, go to the table as well and we love you all and we'll see each other soon. Bye.